What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. What's up, Matt? Good, man. What's going on? I caught you mid-yawn. You didn't I get know, to finish. I know I yawned like right when you were asking that me that. Ba- I that was a badly early time to yawn. So, <laughs> do you want to finish? Do you want to get it out of your system? I think it'll come later. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just checking. Just I'm here for you. So it's it's like a hiccup. Yeah, it'll come back. It'll come back for sure. Yeah. Well, how's, how's it going, man? It's going good. Yeah, it's going good. It's been a been a busy week. We're um we're getting ready to go down to or go I guess over to um like a, a resort called the Blue Mountain Resort here in Ontario, mm-hmm. Canada for our listeners. And, um, for what, and, uh, do what for what, uh, it's about, it's about two and a half hours away and we're going up there for all of the CNBC family, the Canadian national Baptist convention family for Ontario. Nice. And, um, so yeah, it, it, typically they do this every year. It's called Oasis. Um, you probably remember it when you were, you were here. Yeah. Um, I never but, got to go, but uh, yeah. I remember it. Well, it's called Oasis and, um, Typically, it's just for couples, just for husbands and wives. Um, but so we haven't gone in the seven years that we've been here. But this year, they decided to open it up to the entire family. So they said, "Bring your kids." Um, but yeah, man, it's going to be really fun. It's it's um, you know they have like different styles of rooms, like hotel rooms to suites to like you know couple bedroom suites, like kitchenettes and stuff. So they're going to give us a bigger place so we can you know, have our whole family there and they're doing that for all the families. And that's awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really pretty. I've heard, I haven't been out there, but there's a lot of hiking and they're bringing in a, a speaker, um, uh, from the States. Well, actually he's, he's from the States, but, uh, he's, he's pastor in Windsor, I believe, hmm. or maybe London, I think London, Ontario, but his name's Charles Stone. He's written several books and, um, really, really sharp guy, really good guy. And, um, so he's going to be like the, the speaker. So they'll do four sessions, um, throughout the weekend. And then they're going to have like kids programs for the kids. And so, yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Rouge fellowship church, Rouge park, our, uh, second church plant, their worship, uh, one of their worship leaders is going to come and lead worship for us. So it's good. It's, they, they, I talked to Brett Porter, our city missionary, uh, last night, and I think they got like 150 people coming or something like that. So man, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And how about so, you, man? You guys bought a new house. We did. We did. Bought a new house. Moved in. It wasn't. It was probably the most stressful move we've ever had. Um, yeah. So, but it got done, and that's what matters. Yeah. So all the stuff went from point A to point B, and now we're just unpacking it all and getting ready. It's kind of different because we own this house now. This is like, you know, we've never know. owned a home before. So it's Look a different kind of ballgame. I know. I know. We're, we're coming up in the world, aren't we? So you're from Texas. So, uh, if you're from Texas by law, every time you move, you have to use a older pickup truck and there has to be a tarp involved to cover up your fancy things. No, that's not true. That's not <laughs> That's actually, that sounds like more like the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma to me, is what that sounds like. You know I mean, what? I think you're I mean, right. It does sound kind of right. like a schooner when you, when you describe it like that, right? Hey man, you haven't really moved if you haven't borrowed somebody's pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. It, 
or like a trailer bed, you know, those flatbed trailers and you, mm-hmm. like the people, they just load every, all their stuff up. That's pretty common. You don't see that up here, but that's pretty common where I grew up. Dude, we, so I rented a truck and once again, um, I had, uh, they didn't have a 20 foot truck. They was like 16 footer or 26 footer. So I had to get the 26 foot truck and oh dude, man, that happened to you again, bro. Dude, it was this thing was even harder than the one we had last time because it had air brakes. You have to, you're supposed to have a special license to operate a truck with air brakes. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think you need a special yeah, license no, to drive you, a U-Haul with air brakes, bro. Well, not a, maybe not a U-Haul, but like a truck, like an AC, like you do, there's an air brake certification that you have to get. Like there really is. <laughs> if we now, have, if we have some listeners that are involved in trucker trucking, if you're a trucker, listen to this, in your semi truck, send us an email. Keep, verify keep, Jared's if claims. If you're a trucker listening to this, keep your criticism to yourself because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that'd be, good, that'd be a good like that'd be a good sound effect for the air for the horn. Like <laughs> that would be a good sound effect to have if yeah, we bro. had it. So we live on a dead end street, right? It's not a cul de sac. There's like no this this was built this neighborhood was built in like the early 1940s, and okay. all, all these houses were so they hadn't invented cul-de-sacs back then i guess that just that thought wasn't like you know what what if we made it easier to turn around that was that you know we we've progressed since then so it's just a dead-end street and we live towards the end and the streets are pretty narrow and there's cars parked on both sides so it was it was hard enough just squeezing this bad boy in there and we're able to get it in but you know the trick is like how are we going to get this thing out are we going to reverse like a quarter mile down the street you know to get to get out and so we get it unloaded and i'm like i'm going to try to turn it around i'm going to try to like three-point turn it and see if we can get it around well, yeah. that was a mistake. Um, oh, man. We, so you couldn't do it. Well, not only could we not do it, but essentially we got stuck. Uh, oh. And so, like, it's hard to describe, but the wheel and then the back bumper, there's like a big space in between. And yeah. so we got it. We got the truck. We got the the brick wall um, that kind of lines my, na- my cross-street neighbor's driveway. Yeah. Uh, we got stuck uh in you know uh like wedged into that brick wall basically with the truck where we could barely move the truck and it was like we thought we were gonna have to break down the neighbor's brick wall just to get the truck out and luckily we were able to get the truck out without breaking down the wall but it was like i was upset i was like because i thought great well now i'm gonna have to like introduce myself to my neighbors saying hi i'm your new neighbor i destroyed your brick wall yeah i was about to say what a welcoming but what a, we what a way to, to move in. We were able to get it out, and finally, we just reversed all the way, like, <laughs> like probably like close to a quarter mile, like reversed Man. down the street. Um, That's crazy, dude. Yeah. So it was wow. It was well. You always have a good story someday to tell your kids. I know. I know. I will. And so, did you, did your neighbor come out and was like, "What are you doing to my wall?" No, they weren't home. Thankfully. They, yeah. were, they were gone. So, so hey, did you leave like giant ruts in their yard or anything? No, no, no. It wasn't on the grass. So like okay. we, we, we were able to escape with like no damage done. So nice. Well, yeah. But man, that's a praise. Yeah, for sure. It was. It was. So it was stressful. My dad, we got my dad has been a truck driver for many, many years. And it's insane to me. Like I've ridden with him multiple times. It's insane to me. Like the things that he can do in that semi 
truck, man. It's like <laughs> they get so close, to, like swiping out like an entire block of people at stoplights and stuff. <laughs> it's just like they don't even. I, man, that would be. I, I couldn't handle that anxiety, bro. Like, no, I saw a truck yesterday, like a huge, huge truck delivering like this massive tree, this Christmas tree in downtown yeah. DC. It was like a freaking like pine tree in the middle of a you know that you'd find in a giant forest or something they just had it loaded yeah. onto the back of this truck and it was in the middle of downtown dc backed into like this side street and i'm thinking to myself <laughs> i do not want to be the guy trying to figure out how to get out of the city in that thing because no way, man. it is man the city's hard enough that downtown dc is hard enough to drive in in a honda civic let alone right. a massive 18 wheeler so and honda civic that's funny dude um, dude, so it's Thanksgiving. Uh, this episode's Thanksgiving. coming out, and uh, it'll be three days until Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah, I know man. I know that you're not very patriotic, and so you don't celebrate American Thanksgiving. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I live in Canada now, man. Give me a break. You know, I we <laughs> we we do sometimes like um. So we decided this year we were going to celebrate Thanksgiving, and um, we always celebrate Thanksgiving. We just don't always like cook a big meal and stuff. Um, but but yeah, we're gonna. I think this year we're gonna do like a big meal and and all that stuff. And uh, so yeah, man, it'll it'll be fun. That's good. Thanks. Thanksgiving, though, man, it's it's not a super big deal in Canada like it is in the states. No, Canadians aren't as thankful as Americans are. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you know, it, you know, and uh, th- Thanksgiving in Canada is in early October. For our listeners that don't know that it is, so and it's because it's, um, har- harvest time happens uh, earlier in Canada because now it's a frozen tundra. Yes, by, by I, uh, late November. I, I, I um. I picked up Sienna, our eight-year-old from gymnastics, a couple, a couple, uh, well, it's near Thanksgiving, so it's almost a month plus ago. And uh, one of the moms there was like, um, "Well, I bet it's so strange for you guys, like celebrating Thanksgiving so late." And I'm thinking, not really. I mean, I, I grew up with it. I said it's strange, you know, celebrating it before Halloween. That always feels a little bit different, you know. Yeah. For sure. But, but yeah, it's Thanksgiving is an incredible holiday, man. What are you thankful for, bro? Man, I am thankful for my new home. I'm yes. thankful for our church. Uh, thankful for what God's doing in the life of our church. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, God's grace that I mm. really, really need every single yes. day. Because um, sometimes I can be a little rascal and, uh, I yeah. don't know why I said that. <laughs> you little rascal. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, what is this? The 1950s? Hey, bro, you moved into a neighborhood from the 1940s and I you did. instantly started. Why, hey, uh, you know, wise guy, little rascal. <laughs> oh, bro. I'm trying not to laugh, man, when you said that you pulled the rascal one out. That's funny, dude. Yeah, man. Little I'm just, rascal. I'm just thankful for for God's grace, thankful for the gospel. Um, yeah, God, God, there's Amen. not a whole lot to complain about, honestly, man. It's life. Yeah. Life is good. Uh, God is good. We're we're busy, but it's like just a good season of life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, dude. What about you? Oh gosh, man. I'm all the things you mentioned. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my family. I'm, you know, thankful for my, uh, my bride. She's a blessing. Thankful for, you know, men in my life that, uh, that love me. I get to love, invest in, they invest in me, men like you and others. And, uh, just, you know, praise God for so many different things. Thankful for our church and this network. And just most of all that God would, you know, would save somebody like me. It's just something I can never get over, man. Yeah, man. But um, just very, very, very thankful for his mercy in my life. I need it every day. And because I'm a rascal too, little you're, buddy. <laughs> you're a rascal too. Mm-hmm. I'm also thankful for God's call on my life to be yes. in ministry. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, and that sounds like for, a good segue. Yeah, it is a good, that's why I did it. It's like a transition. It would be a good segue. I was thinking about it for like the past <laughs> 60 seconds. And you're like, I hope Matt talks about his calling. Yeah. Being thankful for his calling. No, I was I was hoping you wouldn't so that you wouldn't steal my thunder because I wanted to do the segue. <laughs> well, but now you're this messing. This is why we make good well, parts. Now you're ruining the segue though, because it's not now we're just doing this rascal. so uh matt why is recognizing a call to church planting so important we hear this you know uh phraseology of calling and i feel like it's talked a lot about in church planting circles it's kind of a buzzword um and i think a lot of people like talk about it and i'm not even sure if we know exactly what we mean when we're talking about it yeah i mean i think it's important i i literally heard a pastor um, say a couple months ago, like it doesn't matter. I don't, he said, I don't believe in like this calling from God or, you know, it's just something I always wanted to do. And <laughs> I just think, man, that stuff is such garbage. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the calling is so important because <clears throat> first of all, anything, you know, we talk a lot about on this, on this, uh, on this podcast, we don't want to divide the spiritual from the secular. So if you're listening to this and you're a, you're a, a CEO of a company or a plumber or whatever, I believe your calling is just as vital and, um, to, to whatever God's called you to do in your life. The calling I believe for church planting and for pastoring is very, very important to understand and know that God has asking you to do this with your life. And I think it's for a couple different reasons just to kind of start us off. But I think number one is ministry is extremely difficult. It's extremely challenging. And there has been multiple times in in my ministry where it was ministry. It was the calling that kept me in it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't the people or the joy of preaching or anything like that. Cause to be frank, all those things can, can, can fade at times based on our emotions and feelings. Um, but it was, it it was often the calling that God has asked me to do this with my life. And just like the disciples response, you know, when they're like, where else would we go? Mm. What else would we do? Right. I mean, like what else would I do with my life? I don't know what else I would do with my life once God's asked me to do this. So I think it's very important because ministry is hard and the calling is going to keep you in the fight, you know, no matter what. I think calling is important because if you don't know that God has directed your path and this is his will and plan for your life, then you're going to waver, man. You're, yeah. you're, you're going to have a tough time making decisions. You're going to have a difficult time moving your family. You're going to have a difficult time saying yes to things that aren't comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think recognizing a call is, is really, really important. 
um, for multiple reasons, but, but I would start out with those two. Yeah. Now I think that's good. Um, I think that, you know, having that call, like you said, uh, you know, ministry is, you know, you're entering right into the thick of the fight in terms of spiritual warfare. Um, there's a lot of opposition you're going to come up against. And a lot of times the calling is the only thing uh, that's keeping you in it. It's the only thing that's going to, you know, to keep you hanging on. I know that, you know, I can look back on, on my calling, for example, in my time in uh, Canada, right. Mm -hmm. There were numerous times where, you know, I, you know, my flesh wanted to quit. Uh, you know, I was like, I want to, uh, you know, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, but we knew, you know, we're really certain of God's call in our lives and we needed to finish the race and we needed to, you know, stay there. Um, I also think that your calling is important because when you start having people go into ministry, uh, or church planting, things like that, uh, that are not called, uh, a lot of times it, you know, they leave a, a wake of, uh, of destruction behind them. Um, yeah. and it, it really can do, you know, a lot of damage. Um, yeah. I, I guess I, what do you think are, what are some of the wrong reasons that guys plant churches, um, oh, get into wow. ministry. How much time do we have on this episode? Um, you know, man, um, identity issues, uh, thinking <laughs> that notoriety, um, I, I absolutely love the sin network, you know, our tribe, the North American mission board and, uh, uh, Southern Baptist in the States, CNBC here in Canada, uh, and I love the vision where we're, where we've gone and what we're doing and where we're going. I'm 100% on board. Um, and like anything else, when you're doing something big like this, there is the, there is the, the danger. Like for example, we have what we call send cities, S E N D Toronto's one DC's one. Um, the danger in, some of this is the notoriety that comes if a planter does really well mm-hmm. or if a network does well or whatever it may be, and it can attract and draw the wrong people and people can come into that and they could say all the right things. They could do all the right things, but deep down they have a desire to want to be known. Every, every church planter, I've never met a church planter that doesn't wrestle with wanting to quote unquote be somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people can go into ministry for all the wrong reasons. If you're listening to this in you know the Bible Belt or in the states where it's maybe there's more churches and it's a little more structured outside of a place like DC or Toronto, you know it's what I always thought was success. You, you, you pastor a bigger church and then you do that for a few years until you prove yourself faithful. Then you pastor a bigger church and so forth and so on. And that's, that's kind of just was my idea of what it meant to measure success and mm-hmm. to judge success. I never would have said that out loud. I can say that now, but, but, but I think that's why a lot of guys go into ministry to be frank. A lot of guys go into ministry because they're lazy. Mm-hmm. I know that might surprise some people because um, they think, well, like, man, ministry can be really hard. Uh, who's lazy? I've met a lot of lazy people in ministry. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a great place to hide out. Really, you know, you're not there's there's a challenge with lack of accountability in a lot of ministry type settings. 
Um, so I think guys go into it, you know, for that. I think a lot of guys go into it just to kind of eke by in life, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something to do, you know, it's, so I think there can be some wrong reasons, but those are a couple power authority, you know, and that's why I think we see a lot of authoritative abuse yeah. sexually, um, and elsewhere in the church. Yep, man. Those are all, those are all really good. I think, I think one of the biggest ones is, you know, the one that you touched on, um, is probably, uh, just wanting to be somebody. Um, yeah. you know, I think that the allure of that is really strong. And I, I think you're completely right when you say that probably all church planners to some degree, uh, mm-hmm. struggle with that and have struggled with in the past, you know, like I know that's something that I struggled with more, you know, earlier on. I think it's something that you mature out of. Um, I, yeah, I agree. Especially like really what it kind of gets like <clears throat> humbled out of you. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of the kind of, uh, hard knock lessons I learned, you know, like mm-hmm. early on in Canada, you know, like we, yeah. we didn't have an easy go of it. And I'm thankful for that because God really used that to kind of, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, to kind of beat that out of me, you know, yeah, <laughs> of like yeah. this, oh, I want to be somebody. And you kind of like realize like, you know what? It's actually like, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And, no. you know, it's so, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's kind of prepared me <clears throat> much, you know, and like, I, I think that if I would have started off of my church planting journey, uh, doing something like I'm doing now, uh, it mm. could have actually been really, uh, detrimental to myself yeah. and to the congregation yeah. because I, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't have gone to my head, uh, more. Um, yeah. and yeah, so like, it's well, just, yeah. I agree. I, I mean, like I've said this to you, you know, privately and, you know, I, but I, but I, but I use you as an example all the time. Um, when I'm coaching other guys and stuff like that, man, because like your transformation, you know, for, you know, uh, the three years that we got you, I mean, was incredible just the way, uh, you know, God humbled your heart and started to change you in some of those with some of those ambitions and ways and stuff like that. And you think about the guys though, man, that, I mean, you think about the grace of God to give you, an opportunity to, to, to work through that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like think about the guys and this is, this is a little bit off topic, but it's really not when we're talking about calling, think about the guys that are kind of groomed to be, you know, like, like that well-known pastor or whatever yeah. it might be. They're never really put in a tough spot where they have to kind of, um, examine their calling, if you will, mm-hmm. and say like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm not even a fan of these people. Yeah. Um, there's nobody <laughs> watching my sermon, you know, um, people don't even know who I am, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Like you think about that. And those guys are just like, they're kind of skipping a step in mm-hmm. some ways. They're kind of taking shortcuts mm-hmm. to whatever it might be. And that's kind of the fallacy of North America, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's a good communicator. He can do this. So let's like elevate them. Yeah. And, um, I think that's why we see so many problems mm. with a lot of pastors. You mm. think about like, you think about like shepherding, for example, you take a church that's over 2000, 2,500 people, like statistics essentially tell us like that lay people don't have access to that pastor Yeah, outside of watching him preach. Right. Like they don't, they don't have access to him. So mm-hmm. I think all that stuff is, man, it's really challenging for me. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting uh, that you say that because it was just causing me to reflect back a little bit. And and you know, I mean, you you were you walked with me through a period in time where I legitimately like questioned my, you know, like, am I supposed to do something else? You know, like I yeah, had a yeah. I had a period of time there where it was like, you know, I really went back to the drawing board and had to evaluate, yeah. like, am I supposed to do this with my life, or or am I supposed to do something mm-hmm. else? And and it's actually through that 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 really kind of strengthen the resolve of my calling in the end because, you know, I came back to, uh, you know, and I guess, you know, we kind of move to, you know, how do you know if you've been called? And and I think one of the reasons, you know, if you're called is if you really kind of, you know, get to that point where you go, you know, if I don't do this, I don't know what else I would do. You know, like I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I could take my lumps, you know, I can, you know, walk through the, you know, the valley of the shadow of death, so to speak. But I, but I, I can't, imagine myself doing something else with my yeah. life that I just know. And yeah. I feel a compulsion that this is what God has called me to. Uh, and I think that's, that's one of the primary ways that, you know, you've been called to something. No, I, I completely agree, man. Um, you know, uh, Jeremiah, right. In chapter 20, verse nine, he says mm-hmm. he's got fire in his bones mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he's gonna, he has to, that later on, he has to preach later on the, uh, or back in the book or later on the book of Acts, you know, uh, the, 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 when the, the apostles are being persecuted, they say like, we can't help it. We have to do this. Like we have to speak out, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, I think one sign of a calling from God is to say, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. Like I have to do this. Like I, I have to proclaim the goodness of God. Like, I think when that, that, that urge, that desire to, to preach the Bible, to, to minister to others, to all that, when that just increasingly grows and grows and grows within you, that's a great sign that you're called, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Lord. And I think what we talked about earlier, that piece of accountability where you have godly men and women who are walking alongside of you to affirm your humility, to affirm your teachability alongside of that desire. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that desire, but you don't have the humility or accountability, I'm not sure if you are called Mm -hmm. because if you don't desire to preach or to, to minister or to plant churches or be a missionary, whatever it might be that you're called to do. If you don't desire that as much as you desire accountability and to sit under godly uh, men and women that will teach you and pour into you. If you don't, if you don't desire that as much as you do the calling, then I don't think you're really called. Yeah. Because what I've seen with, with, with men who are truly called to the pastorate is they desire to be poured into. They desire to be held accountable. They desire to be taught and to learn and to grow. Um, and so I think that desire for accountability is really important and, and mm-hmm. is a great sign to say like, yeah, maybe I have been called. Absolutely. So do you, do you think that that just alone, the, the inner compulsion, you know, the fire and the bones um, is enough to validate a calling or do you think that there's other uh, things that should be present to confirm a calling? Well, I mean, it, yeah, the, it's like the, the, it's like the old question of elders. You know, I've had guys say, well, I really desire this. And the Bible says that's all that matters is that I really desire this. I said, no, that's not all the Bible says. It, it says it's a good thing to desire this office. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't say it's the only qualifier mm -hmm. to, to be in this office. So no, I don't think that propulsion to, to want to do this is the only thing. Mm -hmm. I think you have to have biblical qualifications and mm -hmm. I'm sure you're going to bring up some of that and walk through some of that. Mm -hmm. But, but, I, but I think that yes, to have the desire, but also to see the qualifications of an elder. Mm -hmm. So like you and I've had this conversation. I was, um, <clears throat> I was doing a conference call yesterday with the guy in, um, uh, Vancouver mm -hmm. and he's kind of picking our brain on what we've learned and stuff like that and multiplication. Cause they're about to do that for the first time. And, and, um, you know, I was telling him at some point in time, you've got to have like an elder candidacy for your church planning resident. Like no matter what pipeline training he's doing or whatever it might be, like at some point in time, you have to walk him through elder candidacy. And he was like, I never really thought through that, you know? And I think we get so hyper fixated on multiplication. We don't even take a step back and say, Hey, like actually this church planner has to be qualified as an elder mm -hmm. before he can plant a church. And you and I've had this conversation offline. There's a lot of controversy today that a lot of guys don't believe that. Yep. They think you can be a church planner and not be a qualified elder. I just think that's such a stretch theologically. I don't know how you get there. Um, I don't think, but you can we can agree it. to disagree. Uh, but yeah, I don't think you can defend that biblically because yeah. I mean, you're, if you're a church planter, you're going to be exercising oversight. You're going to be teaching and preaching and that mm. is strictly reserved for elders. Just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, you know, man, I, it's so, yeah, it's, I think it's absolutely important that guys are biblically qualified. Now it does, does everybody who's on a church planting team need to be qualified as an elder? No, of course not. No. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have all sorts of people with all sorts of different gifts on a church planting team. And you could, you know, the word we, we use the word missionary. I think, you know, one of the problems is, is that I think everybody means something different when they use the word missionary. Right. Um, right. You know, but in my, you know, uh, in, when I hear the word missionary, you know, I think of somebody who is taking the gospel, uh, to people into places where it's not known. And so that's not, so, you know, not every missionary is a church planter in that, yeah. in the sense of the word that we're talking about it, right? Like a, like a church right. planter who's going to go to the, for the purpose of starting uh, a church and gathering believers together and beginning to exercise oversight, you know, over those yeah. believers. So, um, yeah, I mean, missionaries, uh, you know, like, I mean, we, Lottie Moon, you know, right? Like she's yeah. one of the most famous missionaries, you know, when we think Absolutely. about missionaries in the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, like Lottie Moon would not have, you know, told, gone around telling everybody that she was a biblically qualified elder, but no. she doesn't need to be to be a missionary. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think those are really uh, valid points. I mean, like the, you know, um, do you have that? desire, you know, like, is it in your bones? Mm. Are you biblically qualified? And is, is um, it affirmed by others is like, yes. affirmed by others is so important, man. And it's, this is one that's also getting overlooked. I think in our yeah. zeal to multiply and our zeal to, you know, spread the gospel, mm. like we've got to, it matters what we multiply and we cannot just rubber stamp anybody who says they've mm. got a desire to go and make disciples and plant churches. Um, 
you know, there, there's got to be a, an affirmation by, uh, I, I, it, it needs to be, it needs to come first and foremost from your local church. Churches yeah. plant churches. And so the local church needs to be able to recognize the calling and the gifting of the individual. If that's not there, then to mm-hmm. me, that's like a, a game like that. That's game over before we yeah. even start. Like you, that yeah. must be there. You know, I think first and foremost, the planter needs to feel called and that have that inner compulsion. I think that's foundational and number one. Uh, number two, uh, I think, you know, that call needs to be rooted in scripture. There needs to be like biblical reasons and biblical qualifications. Yeah. And then number three, uh, it needs to be affirmed by uh, people who have spiritual authority over that person and people who are already biblically like other biblically qualified elders uh, Mm -hmm. need to see and affirm that calling calling in that church planter. And if that's not there, then you shouldn't plant a church. I I completely agree. I mean, when you look at the qualifications of an, a a pastor, an elder, first Timothy three, you know, one through seven, those who, who, so Okay, I can look at those qualifications and say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm not angry, I'm I'm not violent, I'm gentle, I'm not a lover of money." But who gets to really say that about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people around me, mm-hmm. you know. Like, um, if my kids are angry and like slicing neighbors' tires up and like you know breaking out rock or you know busting out windows and doing all this stuff and like gossiping and slander and have teenagers that are sleeping around and all these kinds of things. And, and I'm like, and I'm blind to it. And I'm like, no, man, my kids are good. They're, they, they follow Christ They They go to church and all those kinds of things, but other people see that. Like, mm-hmm. that's why that piece for other people to speak into our calling is important. Yeah. Um, it, it's that accountability piece, mm-hmm. you know, the family is so important when we're talking about calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's vital, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's absolutely vital. And, you know, and to the point, like your family needs to be on board with the calling. So mm-hmm. like if, uh, if you feel called to plant a church and, uh, you know, that calling is being affirmed by others and you're biblically qualified, but your wife is like, I do not want to do this, then you yeah. can't do it. And to, you yeah. know, like, you just can't, um, yeah. you can't, you know, like your, your calling is first and foremost to, you know, uh, love your, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you're not going to be loving her the way that Christ loved the church by dragging her into a situation, kicking and screaming that she doesn't want to be in. And like, number one, it's not loving to her. Number two, you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, you're setting yourself up for, you know, potentially wrecking your marriage and, and probably not getting very far with, with the church plant as well. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I think it's an overlooked piece. Oftentimes, you know, it's like, um, um, we've seen it in assessments, you know, multiple times, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, maybe he's super passionate about something, but she's not. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, I've seen it vice versa too, bro. Like you bring in a guy and you assess him to be a church planner and you know, you're like, man, your wife would make an incredible church planner. (laughs) You know, it's like, you want to recommend them to like another denomination, you know, (laughs) that plants churches with women. He's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. We can't get behind you. But you know, I like, it's, it's crazy Mm -hmm. when you think about, about some of that, division because you're right. Like you could be the most gifted guy 
in the world. But if your family's not behind you, then it's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen it multiple times in the last eight, nine years in church planting in all over North America. And uh, it, it really has to be a, a, a team effort. It has to be a family effort. Okay. If your whole family isn't on board, then you're, you're, you're probably not called to ministry. And I would just say this, maybe you, maybe not a facet of ministry that you think you're called to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be just a wrong fit, or you might be scaring your family based on how you talk about your calling, you know? Yeah. The last, uh, last component of calling that I would say, uh, you know, I think, uh, is a good indicator of whether or not you're called is if you, uh, have fruit, you know, like ministry yes. fruit that is visible. Like, can we look at your, you know, your, your life and go, yeah, we see, you know, this person is, you know, make, making disciples and leading people to Christ mm-hmm. and they have the ability, like when it comes to church planting, like, do you have the ability to gather people, you know, together? Like, do people yeah. follow you or do people tend to, you know, like avoid following you? Um, yeah. you know, like Clint Clifton, you know, we'll say, uh, you know, a lot of times, like one of the things he'll, you know, you know, a lot of guys, you know, want to plant churches, but, you know, if they like, you know, if he notices things like, you know, they try to hold like a, you know, a barbecue at their house and three people come, <laughs> nobody wants to hang out at their house. Then that's a really good like indicator that yeah. they might not be a good gatherer of people, you know, like if you don't, yeah. if people don't like being around you and, and yeah. you know, you can't draw people in like that, then it's going to be difficult for you to plant a church. Doesn't mean you're not called to ministry, but right. maybe it means that uh, you don't have that kind of that apostolic and evangelistic impulse that is yeah. so important for planting a church. Uh, or maybe you just need to partner with, uh, you know, plant a church in partnership with somebody who does have that gift set. You know, maybe you're yeah. an excellent teacher, you know, and shepherd, uh, and you yeah. can you can communicate the word from from the from the pulpit, you know, in a very compelling way. Uh, maybe you need a more you know kind of apostolic evangelistic type yeah. uh, to partner up with and plant a church uh, together with. So it's why we always say like the the greatest predictor of your future is your past, mm-hmm. and. Um, I mean, theologically, that's not a very good statement, right? Um, Because God makes all things new Mm -hmm. and all those things. But in terms of like ministry and our habits and like what we've done, like when when I look back on the first, you know, my first uh, 10, 11, 12 years in ministry versus my last seven years of ministry, I can see all the things that probably drove people nuts Mm -hmm. in the first 10 that has helped us be successful in these last few several years. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of times it's just understanding what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and it's also saying like where in that, in previous ministries, people would say, well, that's nice pastor that those people are wanting to come to your house and they're wanting to, you're wanting to meet with these lost people and stuff, but what about us, you know, and what about this ministry and stuff? And, and we're, in church planning, you're like, no, that's your job. You're mm-hmm. supposed to do this thing. So I think sometimes what you said is a good word. Sometimes you just got to find the fit, man. Yep. You know, and mm-hmm. so just because you're a good preacher does not mean you're going to be a great church planter, mm-hmm. you know, especially in a more post-Christian society that we're, we've evolved into and that we're turning more and more into with each passing day. Mm-hmm. People aren't coming just to hear you preach. No, definitely not. I, you know, just one more kind of 
story, you know, to kind of reinforce this point, um, you know, I've told you before that when I first started feeling called to church planting and I went and did my initial kind of like that, there's like an online assessment, initial assessment you can take uh, through the North American Mission Board's website. At least there was back in this at this time. I don't know if they do things the same anymore. Um, and one of the questions it asked, it asked me a couple questions that, you know, really kind of changed the trajectory of my life. One of them was like, you know, how many people have you personally uh, led to Christ outside of a church context in the past 12 months? Yeah. So like, had I, it's asking me, had I led anybody to Jesus, not from the pulpit, you know, like I was in ministry and I like realized like the answer to that question was zero. Like, and I hadn't even, I couldn't think of anybody I'd really even shared the gospel with outside of church. Like I was, you know, bold about sharing inside the church walls, but I wasn't really evangelistically engaging and be outside. And then it asked me how many people I uh, had uh, discipled in the past yeah. 12 months outside of the church. Again, nobody, I wasn't investing in anybody. And that's what, you know, like I realized like, man, I'm not bearing the fruit that gives evidence that I can mm. do this before I think about moving on to plant a church. I need to start doing this. That's right. And so yeah. those two questions, like, really changed my life in a lot of ways because yeah. it made me realize like, Oh wow. Like I need to start getting out there and doing that. And I did, I yeah. started sharing the gospel, started, you know, discipling others and fruit yep. began to be born. And that's what, you know, confirmed to me down the road that, okay, like, you know, this, this, this indeed is a calling from the Lord. Like I'm beginning to see it now. I'm beginning to see fruit in my life and others begin to see that fruit in my life. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, that's kind of how that calling was confirmed. Absolutely. That's great, man. Got to have that fruit to, and I think there are the rare exceptions to this rule where guys just haven't had the opportunity to bear fruit. If if that makes sense, like maybe they come to Christ and, um, but that's why it's so important to be connected to a local church and Mm. to, to have an extended on-ramp, not just throw people off into the, into the water, the deep end of the pool. Oh man, it's good stuff. We're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Absolutely. Uh, listeners, make sure you head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com. You can find links to all of our other episodes. We've got tons of content on there. Uh, lots of lots of good stuff to listen to for your Thanksgiving road trip. I know you're going to be driving to go see grandma and grandpa. And so make sure you uh, you put on some In the Trenches episodes uh, yeah. for that drive. Your, your wife will love them. Um, you know, just uh, there's some classics on there. Uh, and so... <laughs> <laughs> Try not to laugh. Your, um, your wife's like, "What is this crap?" Yeah. <laughs> put, put, put on the uh, put on the the wives episode. She'll love yeah. that. Matt and Jared interview their wives. I think it's yes. it's from like sometime in 2018. But yeah, I think that it's actually, still like our number one episode, isn't it? It's like it's up there. Yeah, it's up there with like probably like the one we did with Brad Briscoe, and then like yeah. the one we did with Peyton Jones. You know, we got some uh, some of those. But yeah. Definitely, definitely up there. So, and it's a good one um, to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, make sure you go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, hit that subscribe button, uh, and uh, Spotify as well. We're on Spotify, so you can go and subscribe to In the Trenches there. Make sure you leave us a review and a rating. Just every time you do that, it helps increase the exposure of our podcast, so that when people search for church planning podcasts, they find ours. Uh, and so, uh, we, we definitely want to be an encouragement to as many church planners and, uh, you know, other, uh, followers of Jesus that are involved in church planning as we can. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. We're going to be back next Monday with another episode of in the trenches. So until then go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. Church planners.